What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 115, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Abyss. Abyss. Into Abyss. In Abyss. We're an independent podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. We've got tiers. We've got privileges, stuff. Zach will tell us a bit more about that in a minute. Um, and some of the things that we have are some po- Patreon-first audio content that we will eventually always put up on our main feed we dropped episode four of the other side of the gate uh back on wednesday i believe zach yep that sounds right friends got uh, to listen to to uh, you and david uh, talk about spoilery stuff i I have no idea what you guys talked about um but uh that was that's fun stuff uh that you can get at if you're at patreon uh, we also, Zach and I, do the um, Stargate Second Chances, where uh, friends are able to give us some votes, and Zach will give us a, that information in a bit, but it, re- re- it results in rewatches of episodes, Indeed. and we give re-rankings. So, so, so Brent, yeah, I'll talk more about that in a little bit. Oh, oh you must have news. Okay, well, uh, as I mentioned, we pull that content from the Patreon feed and drop it into our main feed from time to time, which means you, dear listener, if you do not want to support us on Patreon, which is a fine choice, that you are an adult and you can make that choice, and I fully support you. Uh, you don't have to worry about missing out on stuff uh, because we'll always be putting it in our main feed. Uh, if somebody in your life wants to get more Stargate, you can tell them, oh, you can find them on Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, or you can pull up your favorite podcast aggregator and type in Walking Through the Stargate, and you will find them. You can say it just like that, like just straight up, Absolutely. precisely like that. Yep. They're going to look at you, and they're going to say, did you practice that or something? And you're going to be like, yep. So <laughs> that's all good. Um and uh okay so we got i'm scrolling through my notes right because last time i was like oh wait a minute am i done i gotta pitch it over to zach uh there is a bullet in here indeed that uh that that is in my side of the of of the script here Uh, apparently and this is funny to me that i was oblivious to this until zach mentioned it to me this morning um there's this company out there and they're kind of big they're called amazon and there's another company that made Stargate, and they're they once were pretty big, and they're not that big anymore. It's called MGM, and apparently the big Amazon company bought MGM. Yep, and that includes all the MGM properties, or at least all the stakes of the MGM properties that MGM had in that stuff anymore. Something like that. Yep. So Amazon now owns Stargate. <gasps> Wait yep. a minute. Does Jeff Bezos now own the Stargate? Um, I think Jeff Bezos is definitely a friend of Adrian Conrad. Uh, I would, yes, that sounds about, yep, yep, that's um, tracking, yes. And so, yes, he clearly owns the Stargate. He mm-hmm. dis- he is just now realizing that the whole movie Stargate, uh, like like the episode Wormhole Extreme, is a meta of a meta. Yes. So like, like, the whole idea of Stargate is to hide the fact that there really is a Stargate out there. Yes. And Wormhole Extreme was an episode about, you know, making that plausible deniability to yes. hang a lantern that's already on a lantern. Yes. Uh, just to make it that much weird. But it's all true. Lanterns all the way down. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. That, so That's stunning. That's stunning. I, um, Zach and I were chatting about it a little bit. Uh, it sounds like there is some optimism that um, 
that Amazon might be able to throw its bounties of cash towards the creation of new Stargate content. Um, maybe so. Uh, and, you know, maybe maybe by the time maybe by the time we get done with our project. <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion that, well, you know, I have a sneak, you know, if if we do get new Stargate coming, mm-hmm. um, I am fairly certain, Brent, that you and I will review it uh, when we get there to it. Yes, I suppose that's true, which I'm not about to uh, 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 hurry our pace. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Well, we are already recording basically one episode a week. I can't go faster than that. No. Yeah. I mean, the way that we would do it, I suppose, and this is literally us just talking about it on the air is like, you know, would we would we watch like two episodes and then try to review both within one podcast of an hour and a half? I don't know. That sounds. I complex. don't know if that would work very well. That's that sounds like a terrible idea. Hey, Zach, if somebody wants to let us know about how we should really not be implementing these terrible ideas and just stick to the pace we've got because it's working out real nice and they want to let us know their thoughts about amazon's purchase of mgm how how might they do it well if you have the best plan for how mgm can make new stargate and how amazon will help them do that you can let us know because we have a lot of pull in this field oh yeah because we do naturally, duh, because we podcast about Star. Okay, never podcast mind. about Stargate, and one of the two of us actually buys things from Amazon sometimes. Ah, that is a true statement. I mm-hmm. do buy, buy things from Amazon occasionally here and there, yeah, as necessary. Um, so uh, I find it very convenient. Uh, it's not always good, but it is convenient. Oh, they, they've got the convenience thing almost on lock. Yes, for sure. yep. Uh, in any case. Uh, I don't have a good way of transitioning, so I'm just saying you can email us at walking <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, which is W-A-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-D-A-R-G-H-E at gmail.com. Zach, I got a quick question for you. I have a quick answer for you. Do they you may not even, match. Do you even think about the letters anymore? Sometimes. Um, <laughs> I was that last actually time noticing just... this particular time that I wasn't going quite as fast, and so I was actually able to pronounce all of the letters. And there was for like half a moment, about like halfway through, the, like the G H T H E. I'm like, I wonder if I can get through this without collapsing. Hey, look at that! I did. The, the, nice. The the all of that was into going into my memory. head. It, like I, I swear that that one that you just did, it it had all the markings of a person that was just doing it like 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 just just a fluid motion. Like it was just evident that you know, anyway. yeah, Good. you know, uh, there there is a certain amount of uh, at this point in time. There's some muscle memory in there. Yes, that I yes. just kind of get started and then it goes. Yeah, um, and uh, so that's a good thing, I guess. Yep. Yep. Uh, if you want to tell us whether or not that's a good thing, you can Twitter us Twitter at us. Stargate Walking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or you can go to Facebook and like and subscribe and you know follow and all of those buttons. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, Walking Through the Stargate page. And also go ahead and uh, click that button to join the group where you can get in on all sorts of fun stuff that's happening there. Um, you know, that, that's happening. It, it, mm-hmm. It's a happening place for Stargate stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you can uh, get in on the uh, predicting of things. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, or, of course, you can also email us your predictions, you know, or go to Twitter and predict us, predict our ratings there, all of that stuff. Yep. Um, you can go to our website at wtds.space. Space! Or I suppose you can go to walkingthroughthestargate.com. That works. <laughs> You're old school. Yeah. Just um, be thankful I didn't put dashes in there. Oh, my goodness. That would <laughs> just be insane. Yeah. That, yes. Um, yeah. Um, or you can go to patreon.com slash walkingthroughthestargate. Um, or another thing that you could do if you wanted is you could go to YouTube and search uh, Walking Through the Stargate or Stargate Walking or I don't remember what it's under. I think it's there. But you can find it. Stargate Walking. Yeah. Stargate, you know, and uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. And what's on the YouTube channel? Pretty much just the promos that David produces yep. for us every week. I put those yep. up on YouTube, uh, usually on a Friday night uh, before we podcast on that episode. And so there it is. So you can subscribe and you get all of that stuff right there too. Yep. Um, you know, and in the unlikely event that we ever do a video cast, it will probably be oh, there. Oh, that's right. That was an idea you had. Uh, but it's currently nowhere where anybody can. You know, I mean, I mean, if you want it to happen. Um, you know, there are some of those higher levels of the Patreon thing that we say yeah. something like, seriously, we'll make it worth your while. Y- yeah. Um, <laughs> y- y- Nobody wants to look at my face. Yeah. You know, your face is as good as my face. I mean, okay. Like, no, Maybe this is what better. I'm going to do. I'm literally, this is exactly, this is This is happening. All right. So I am gonna go take a picture of what you would be seeing. I'm not even kidding. I'm going to put it on Twitter. All right. And here's the photo. Okay. The photo has just been taken. Oh, should I do the same to, thing? I mean, you can. All uh, right. And I'm going to the twits. Twitter. <laughs> and it's mobile because I don't even have the app installed because that's how I roll. And it's like, uh, seriously, this will make sense when you listen. There we go. Period. Yeah, a photo, put it there, add tweet there. All right. Well, as you do that, I will eventually figure out how Twitter works and nah. <laughs> post my picture to that. But that's probably going to happen after we finish podcasting because. Yeah, well, basically, it's a picture of like a microphone, the butt end of a microphone and a pop filter and headphones. And you can see a person looking over top of the mic. <laughs> like, that's what it is. That's, well, that's, that's what, you're that's at what I have, too. Um, yeah. So uh, in oh, any case, you can do all of that. Stuff. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. We have too much fun. I know. So, Brent. Yes. Uh, I sent out earlier this week the, this is May. So the May votes options, you know, please vote mm-hmm. for stuff. Mm-hmm. And I got several of them returned. I haven't gotten everybody's. If you have gotten an email, go mm-hmm. ahead. It's, mm-hmm. it, the, 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 the subject line is May Patreon votes. Not very May exciting. Patreon May Patreon votes. votes. Please. Okay. Uh, go ahead and respond and send me your votes and you will get into the tally. If you think you should have gotten one and you didn't, send me mm-hmm. an email and mm-hmm. I'll get it figured out. But yep. all of that is to say that a new Stargate Second Chances is imminently in our future. Oh! We okay. now have enough yes. votes yes. to rewatch and yes. re-review yes. the movie. 
Stargate. Oh, oh we're going to do another pilot. Yes. Oh, well, no, no, man. Not, not just the pilot. We're talking about like the movie, the 1994 movie. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Our pilot episode oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, podcast. Yes. yes. Episode zero. Episode zero was about the movie. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we had an entire podcast on a two-hour movie in 45 minutes. And now we, were, we spend we, 90 minutes on a 45-minute yeah. episode. Yeah. Well, there, there's a reason why. And the biggest reason why was that the reason we called it episode zero is that we both knew that it just like just like all good media, it takes a couple of seasons before you hit your stride. That is a true statement. Yeah. Yep. We knew it. Awesome. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna have to put that on the calendar when we're gonna figure that one out. But yeah, we will uh, have to. <laughs> probably, if I had uh, just off the cuff, it's probably gonna get recorded. I would say in the next maybe two or three weeks. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it'll probably get posted about three or. four four weeks probably from now we'll get it posted as soon as we get it recorded oh, yeah but it's gonna be a couple of weeks because we have yeah to yeah yeah but that's yep yep yep, Agreed. yep. nice all that's right fun um another news we also got a couple of votes for children of the gods ah, okay which yes. is the actual pilot of the show that's right that's right um bane is moving up it's got seven <laughs> votes now <laughs> yeah. so people are yes. really really interested to see what yes. you're going to say about bane Nine. uh you know, well, if you want to go for a nine, you can. Do that. <laughs> um, in any case, so we've got lots of things like that coming up. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to that. That's good. Good yep. stuff. Okay. So shall we, with all of that, dig into this episode? Yes, let's do it. Okay. This episode is directed by Martin Wood. Mm -hmm. uh, this is his fourth directing credit this season. He did Redemption Parts 1 and 2 and Frozen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of a continuation of the story we uh, ended yeah. in Frozen. Yeah, uh, The true. teleplay for this episode is Brad Wright, uh, the mm -hmm. co-creator of the show. This is his first of two writing credits this season. Mm -hmm. So we have several guest actors, and most of yep. them uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time with. We have Dorian Harewood, who plays Thorin. We saw mm -hmm. him at the end of Frozen, so he returns yep. in this. Awesome. Uh, yep. Gary Jones is back as Walter Harriman, I think. Yep. Uh, we've got Terrell Rothery as Dr. Janet Frazier. We've got Cliff mm -hmm. Simon returning as Ball. If yes. you want to know all about Cliff as Simon, you need to go back to As in Bocce. Uh, uh, you, know, you can go back to episode whatever it is with the summit and last stand. And yep. I talk a lot about his career. Sadly, it was only a couple of months ago that he died in yes. an accident. Yes, um, I saw that too. Yeah. Yep. We have Ula Friss, who plays mm -hmm. Shallon. Mm -hmm. uh, she was actually born in Copenhagen, Denmark. Mm -hmm. uh, she started acting at a young age, appearing in numerous theater productions. Uh, even though she was busy with school and competitive horseback jumping, she oh, yeah, kept okay. up acting. Mm -hmm. um, she's got extensive skills, and she has competed internationally in show jumping uh, uh, competitions, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. Yes. Uh, when she uh, graduated college, she had plans to continue on to medical school, but uh, on what was supposed to be a two-week trip to New York, she fell in love with the Big Apple, and she stayed there for a uh, year. Yes. yes. And then eventually she moved from there uh, to uh, L.A. area, and she just kind of made this her home in pursuit acting. Mm -hmm. Um. 
1999, she graduated from the Neighborhood Playhouse School of Theater and began her professional career in New York City before eventually moving to Vancouver, Vancouver, mm-hmm. where she worked in film and TV. Gotcha. Uh, she doesn't cool. have a ton of credits, though, which is kind of interesting. But they uh, are, they have been around, uh, you know, they've lasted for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't write this down, but it is worth noting. She is actually married to another actor, and he has also played uh, a small part in a couple of Stargate episodes. Nice. So, uh, her first IMDb credit came in 2000 when she played Woman at Party, which was an uncredited role <laughs> in the movie The Sixth Day. Ah, okay. Awesome. And you may have noticed that there is one more name that was a guest actor that I have not yet mentioned. Dude, I saw the title card come across the screen and I'm like, wait, what? Indeed. This episode, we welcome back Dr. Daniel Jackson. Michael Shanks returns as Dr. Daniel Jackson. So excited. I mean, yeah. I mean, but like for a minute, though, I was like, Wait a minute. That's because, like I said, I saw the title card. Yep. Like, and I think it was like very, very special guest or something like that, you know, like, or, you know, s- super special guest actor, Michael right. Shanks. And I'm like, wait, what? Wait, what? And I'm glad in the story, Daniel makes it the appearance early, right? Right. Like, um, otherwise that title card would have been <laughs> hell of a spoiler. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Yep. D- Dr. Jackson is kind of sort of back, sort of. Yes. So, you know, I have to admit that uh, David and I had many conversations uh, leading up to this as yeah. to whether or not we would put Daniel Jackson in the promo. Oh, yeah. And we thought yeah. about that because yeah. we wanted to know uh, what to do. And eventually, uh, we decided that we would let you be surprised. Yes, yes. With that. Now, again, slightly unfortunately, I mean, obviously, it's intentional. Like, they put it in the freaking title cards. Right, like, right. They want people to be reading these words just because dummies like me rarely read the words doesn't mean any, right? Like, but so, but still, it was very, it was delightful. Good. Yep. All right. So this episode originally aired on July nineteenth, two thousand two. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., they were still listening to "Hot in Here" by Nelly. Mm-hmm. It was really hot, apparently. Well, it's July. Well, yeah. There you go. That makes sense. Uh, unless you're in like Australia, in which case July is like the middle of winter. I think it's probably temperate. I'm not sure if it gets very cold. Well, fair enough, but it's still winter. Yes. In any case, uh, in the UK, they were listening to any one of us. <laughs> That's a stupid mistake by Gareth Gates. Huh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I about have any one of us. I don't know this song. Uh, I don't know either. It probably is a stupid mistake, but who knows? Hey, you know, well, you know, I, I suppose if I have never heard of it, then maybe it was. I don't know. It's playing now. It whatever, is playing whatever now. It you is. Know. Well, any one of us could have been, I don't know what I'm going to go with, but but we have lots of movies, <laughs> ah. and any one of them could be number one. They could be. Which one is it? Well, number it? five, It's so it's not oh. number five, is Reign of Fire. I see what you're doing. Rain of Fire is number five, and the things are burning. They're getting hot. Uh, And, uh, you know, number four. So it's not that one. It's not the number one there. It's number four. K-19, The Kingmaker. Wait, what? 
I have no idea. I'm writing things down. I I'm reading when I'm jumping. I've never heard of that movie in my I life. haven't either. You know, it, it was four, and then it probably disappeared. Number okay. three, another option to be number one, but isn't number one. I think it used yeah. to be number one, is yeah. Men in Black 2. Okay, okay. It used okay. to yeah. be number one. They used to be the one that says any one of us could be, and we were, but now yeah. they're number three. Number yeah. two is Stuart Little 2. Yeah, okay. And the uh-huh. one who actually hits the number one spot, the one who it really is number one, Yeah. Road to Perdition. Okay. Gotcha. There you go. There you go. That was it. All right. So what was happening? So, what? Go ahead. Uh, uh, what was happening on this day? I just realized just now, Zach. Yes. Because like I like to look at the dates, and I'm like, yeah, where? What? Where was I? What was I doing? Et cetera, et cetera. The only just because this crossed my mind the other day. Around July nineteenth, two thousand two. That yes. was the last time I had been pulled over by a cop. Oh. Now. That's not to say that I am a Captain Legal Eagle. Believe you me. It's not like I'm reckless, but I'm just saying. I was thinking about it the other day of like, when was the last time I got pulled over? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it was the summer after I graduated and it was in July. So right around here, Zach. Ooh, well, there yeah, you go. And all that time since then. So at this point in time in my life, Julie and I were preparing ourselves to move to Japan. Yeah, that's a big deal, dude. That's a big deal. <laughs> Um, yeah, big deal. So right, I'm going to make a little noise here. I'm going to pop open a can of some sparkling water. You ready? Here we go. Uh, there we go. Right. Ah, refreshing. I am just going yes. to drink some water. Okay. Well. All right. So I, what else? I, I treated myself the other day and I'm just like, Ooh. yeah, give me that sparkling water. Woo. Ah, well, what else was happening in July of 2002 besides me preparing for Japan and Brent getting pulled over by the police yes. for probably having too many sparkling beverages opened in his car. Oh, no, no. The last time I got pulled over, it was definitely dumb. My dad was helping me move out of the apartment, and I just got done getting out of uh, my last day of uh, working at a museum that I'd worked at for four years as a work-study student. And on my last day, they decided what would be a great prank to do would be to, to tell me to do something that put me in an alleyway, at which point they pelted me with a bunch of water balloons. So I'm soaked, and I hate being wet when I'm wearing my regular clothes. And so I'm driving to my apartment all mad and stuff and calling up my dad because I'm late, and I'm on, you know, I'm on a cell phone. Because that, you know, I, I was kind of, you know, this is 2002. Hey, yeah. You know. mm-hmm. I'm on a cell phone uh, behind a police officer who then flips on his lights, pulling over somebody in front of him. Well, I'm talking to my dad. I'm soaked. I'm like frustrated. I'm basically like running late, I think is what uh, another piece of the puzzle was. And a cop in front of me flips his lights on. So I start paying attention to the police officer and his vehicle like, okay, what's going on here? And I ended up following him through uh, an intersection that was a red light for me. Oh. At which point he jumps out of the car and he's like, you pull over. And I'm like, oh my goodness, yes, sir. He's like, I could get you for reckless driving, young man, but I'm not gonna because this is a college town. (laughs) (laughs) And all we do is just say stern words at you, mister. Yeah. But that was the last time I got pulled over. Cool. Cool. All right. So on July 15, 2002, Mm -hmm. APJ Abdul Kalam is elected the 11th president of India. Mm. Now, the results were not announced until the 18th of July, but on the 15th Ah, is when he was elected. Also on the 15th, American Taliban John Walker Lint pleads guilty to supplying aid to the enemy and to possession of explosives 
during the commission of a felony. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. bad John. Naughty, yeah. naughty. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, we have on also on July 15th, the Anti-Terrorism Court of Pakistan hands mm-hmm. down the death sentence to British-born Ahmed Omar Saeed, Sheikh and life terms to three others suspected of murdering Wall Street Journal reporter Daniel Pearl. Oh, yeah. Yep. I remember that. Yep. And then finally, on July 20th, a couple of days after this episode airs, mm-hmm. uh, one day after it airs, July 20th, bartenders doing tricks with fire start a major fire in a nightclub in Lima, Peru, that kills 25 people and injures 100. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. So, trivia for this episode. Are you ready, Brent? Yeah, let's let's dig into some trivia. Okay. So, uh, this episode, um, some of the first thing that I found really interesting is that this episode was actually filmed before the episode Frozen. Yeah. Th- yeah, there's definitely pieces. There's all sorts of bits and bobs about this thing that I have some questions about, but yes, carry on. So, so when this episode was filmed, they knew that O'Neill was uh, injured and had been taken to be tokrified and all of that stuff. Yep. But they didn't actually know all the details of what was happening there and what ha- what had happened. So, um, there you go. Yep. Uh, that probably has a lot to do with uh, Daniel Jackson or Michael Shanks' schedule and all of yep. that stuff. Uh, so that's one thing. Also. There were a lot of different uh, sets for this and different angles and things. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, all of the stuff that, that uh, uh, you know, like, like in the, the torture room, the, the wall that he was gravitated to was, of course, 90 degrees. And so the camera mm-hmm. was looking down on him uh, mm-hmm. to get the look. But that was filmed at a separate time from all of Cliff Simon's stuff as Ball. So most oh, yeah. of what Cliff yeah. was ta- acting to was not actually uh, Richard Dean Anderson. Oh, yeah. Because they were filmed at different times. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And in different ways. Uh, another thing, one of the things, Richard Dean Anderson had a shortened schedule for filming for this episode. He had some other things he had to do. Uh, I don't know what they were. Uh, so he had to get all of his stuff filmed in like five days. Yeah. Which is insane because he yeah. is in like every single scene. Yes. Um, so they had to do a lot of stuff, um, you know, shooting his stuff and then other people's stuff in different places. Um, they got it done. The uh, The prison cell was actually mm-hmm. a gimbaled set. Yeah, that also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so. Uh, Which is awesome. Yes. Uh, and so you actually see it at times. Uh, ro- physically rotating as the camera and everybody is inside uh, as it moves to get that look yep. to it. Um, yep. And uh, when they're filming things like there's a couple of shots where uh, O'Neill is looking up and he sees Shallon uh, sitting there kneeling. And yeah. of course, she's on this uh, support as she's just kind of dangling over the edge of this <laughs> abyss. Yeah. <laughs> As yeah. they're filming over her shoulder to get yep. him looking up. Yep. Um, so that Interesting. Uh, is some of the things that were happening in this episode. Uh, O'Neill, or Richard Dean Anderson, says this about this episode. 
Mm-hmm. I think out of all the actors, and this is not meant as a slight to anyone else, but rather as a practical comment on the dynamic between Michael and I, he and I had the most fun and trusted each other the most to be able to pull off the kinds of things we did, particularly in Abyss. Mm-hmm. The episode has scenes between us that overlap where we're both going on and the dialogue is fast and intense in content. We were able to pull the scenes off because we work well together and had had a lot of practice doing it. That's an episode I thoroughly enjoyed doing and it was good to see Michael again. Yeah, totally. So, uh, and also Brad Wright says this. The scenes between Rick and Michael are honestly as good as we've ever had on Stargate. The two immediately gelled. Michael was a prince, and it was terrific to have him here. I'm looking forward to bringing him back at least a couple more times this year. Uh, I think, though, when viewers watch this episode, they'll realize that it wasn't, that it isn't that easy to come up with stories in which Daniel can just come flying back into our midst. That said, we already have two very good ideas that include Michael. I just hope he's available. And when he reads the scripts, he will choose to do them. Nice. I just hope he's available, and when he reads the scripts, he chooses to do them. Brad Wright. Yep, 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 yep. So. I mean, yeah, the cat's out of the bag. Like, you know, I, I... It was strongly intoned that they wanted the option to bring Michael Shanks back as Daniel Jackson in the... In so much as that he ascended for crying out loud, right? Like, right. And so, you know, I'm just very pleased to see it come to fruition. Yep. Yep. So uh, we will have to wait and see if Daniel Jackson actually appears in future episodes. Okay. So this episode title in other languages. carry on <laughs> so the french call this abyss and uh, so yeah, do the sure. spanish uh-huh. the italians and the hungarians call it the abyss yeah okay the czech call it cell okay okay yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. our germans they call it daniel's back <laughs> well they actually call it daniel is ascended and he returns to help his old friend no no i'm yeah. just kidding this I'll is called word on the brink. On the brink. Yep, that's fine. On the Oh, brink. that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so. <sighs> all right. Are you ready for the synopsis for the episode Abyss? Yes. Okay. Let's do it. Here we go. Previously on Stargate SG-1, Jack gets sick in Antarctica. No, it wasn't the food. No, it wasn't the ridiculous cold. It was that one lady frozen in the snow but is still alive and is both killing people with sickness and healing them, which is making her sick. It's complicated. It is complicated. So then, she dies before she can cure Jack. Boo. But the Toker come and say, we can give you a snake in the head to heal you, and it's your only option. And so Jack goes with the Tok'ra option to be implanted with a Tok'ra named Kanan. And now, we're outside. It's dark. A man and a woman are running through the trees. They're being chased by Jaffa. Jaffa are shooting at them. He tells her to hide in the woods until he can get the Chapa eye open. She does. She's scared. He runs to the DHD and begins dialing. He hits... 
He's hit in the back with a staff blast and falls to the ground. Unexpectedly, he vomits up a symbiote that then slithers away to die. Unable to survive without its host, the Jaffa approach. They kick the host over onto its back, and as the camera pans in to see the face of the host, we are surprised. It's Jack O'Neill. O'Neill. O'Neill wakes up sometime later, surrounded by the light of a sarcophagus. A strange man watches on from the shadows. At Stargate Command, the Tok'ra Thorin visits, presumably with information about Jack O'Neill, which is good, because General Hammond's patience is thinning. He wants his officer back. But Thorin has bad news. O'Neill slash Kanan left the Tok'ra base, and he's been captured. The Tok'ra don't believe that they can rescue him. And this leads to a fundamental disagreement between the SGC and the Tok'ra. The SGC don't leave their people behind. SG-1 suggests that Kanan functionally abducted the colonel from some, for some unknown reason. Thorin is angered that they accuse an honored Tok'ra of acting like a Gua'uld. Tensions mount. SG-1 want the mission reports of Kanan's undercover work, but Thorin refuses. Thorin wants to return to the Tok'ra base. But Hammond has invited him to be their guest on the base until such time as he releases the mission reports, which he should have from which he should have given them from the beginning, based on the official Tokratauri Treaty. Eventually Thorin relents, but it's super but he is super unhappy about it. And the team then begin their work of scouring the reports for any reason why Kanan may have left the Tokra base without telling anyone. Meanwhile, the man in the shadows is none other than the system Lord Ball. O'Neill is brought into a room and pinned to a wall with some kind of gravity manipulation device. The questioning begins. Ball encourages honest answers by dropping knives through the gravity field and deep into the colonel's chest. O'Neill refuses to answer the questions, and it does not take long before he succumbs to the knives and dies. Fortunately, unfortunately, I don't know for sure what to call this, but Ball has a sarcophagus, and he can revive his prison to begin the process all over again. Drat. O'Neill is taken to his cell, which uses a very similar gravity device to turn a dead-end hallway into a deep pit that cannot be scaled. O'Neill looks up at the opening and sees a vision of a woman sitting there, watching. He is seeing things because she's not really there. And then, without preamble, he hears a voice. Hi, Jack! Turning, the prisoner sees someone he shouldn't be able to see. A friend who had died months before. It's none other than Dr. Daniel Jackson! Woohoo! At first, O'Neill believes the appearance of his friend to be a delusion. But... Daniel convinces him that he really is there. Well, he's made of energy and not matter, so you can't touch him and you can throw shoes through him, but <laughs> he's really there in spirit and energy and stuff. Uh -huh. Daniel has come with an offer. The torture will continue and rescue isn't an option. This place is far too heavily fortified, but Daniel is here to be Jack's Oma, to help his friend ascend. Jack, for his part, just wants some ascended help from his friend, some recon, some distraction, some super-duper magical power that just opens the way for O'Neill to escape, none of which Daniel can provide given the rules of ascended beings. This is one heck of a time to be a lawful character. Come on, Daniel. <laughs> Daniel 
can't give O'Neal what he wants, but he's got something pretty slick in column B. It's Ascension. Hey. Hey. <laughs> I mean, here are your choices. One or two. Eh? Death or cake. Death or Death cake. Death or cake. Death, please. Death. Cake. Cake. I no. like cake. No, no. no we're all out of no. cake. You said death first. <laughs> they are interrupted when two guards appear to take Jack back to Ball. O'Neill is again questioned by the system ward. This time, Ball's choice of encouragement is acid and as the acid slowly burns through jack's chest mostly cauterizing the wounds but not quite completely the questions begin and finally o'neill relents and gives up the name of his former symbiote canaan pleased ball neutralizes the poison showing how merciful he can right answers are rewarded yeah Jack is eventually brought back to his cell where he once again sees the face of a young woman. Who is she? We'll find out later. Mm -hmm. Daniel appears again, and they continue their conversation from before. Daniel is trying to remind the colonel of who he is, but the cumulative effects of the sarcophagus and continued torture are beginning to erode the humanity from the colonel. Ascension is the only option, and before it's too late. If the torture continues, the man who is Jack O'Neill will cease to exist, and Ascension will not be possible at that point. Jack gets angry and begs his friend to help him find another option. The guards come back again and take him away for yet another round of torture with Ball. Back at the SGC, uh, SG-1 is scouring the information on Kanan's missions. Carter gets an inspiration and begins to put two and two together. Yes, there's a healthy healthy dose of intuition, but the pieces fit, and it's the only thing that has even come close to making sense of all of the facts. Here we go. Kanan was deep undercover at a secret and heavily guarded base fortress of guard... Let me start that again. <laughs> Kanan was deep undercover at a secret and heavily guarded fortress of the system lord Ball. Kanan was able to get a ton of information about the facility, and his source for this information was none other than Ball's Lotar, Shalin, his most trusted and personal slave. Oh my goodness! And what if Kanan and Shalin loved each other? What if that's how he got her to give up the information? Continuing, once Kanan's mission was over, he later blended with O'Neill and received from the colonel the irresistible conviction that we don't leave our people behind. And with all that swirling around him, the Tok'ra took O'Neill's body back to Ball's base to free the slave whom he loves. Boom! Exactly! Thorin thinks this is a bit ridiculous and wants no part of a suicidal rescue plan. Hammond agrees that any attempt to rescue the colonel from Ball's base at this time would be utterly futile. He wants to free Jack but he cannot do it unless something else happens. They simply don't have even the minimum needed to mount a rescue. Boo. Boo. Back at the torture chamber, O'Neill is weakening. He is holding on to the fact that Kanan loved Shallon, but his mind is warping. Reality and fantasy are mixing in his head as the torture continues. O'Neill begs Daniel for help, but this time, Daniel doesn't show up. Teal'c is in his room, in a deep state of Kelnorim. The fire hazard is real, folks. It's real. 
<laughs> a lot of open flames and he's not paying attention. Suddenly he gets an idea and it's not maybe I should use electric candles. <laughs> he waits. Hey, that's, that's, that, that, doesn't, that does not bring about a genuine state of Kelnarim. Well, you know what? It's possible. I have no idea. Okay, anyway, he wakes and he visits the general to rescue the colonel. They would need a Hatak vessel to attack the fortified base. Unfortunately, they don't have a Hatak vessel because every time they've gotten a Hatak vessel, they have subsequently destroyed it pretty quickly. Yeah, they're pretty bad with that. But you know who does have a Hatak vessel? You Lord you. <laughs> Unfortunately, the joke should have been you does. You does. <laughs> but, <laughs> but my brain was too grammatically correct. So it turned out to be you do. Oh, nuts. Oh, boy. Well, but whatever type of grammar you want to use, you has a hot talk vessel. <laughs> He's like a cat. I can has cheeseburger. I can has cheeseburger. You has hot talk ship. You has hot talk ship. If they give him the plans and location of the base, he, because he hates Ball, would take his ships there and attack. And the chaos would at least give O'Neill a chance. Maybe not a good chance, but an option other than unending torture and wacky mystical ascension. This is what he wants. Did Daniel suggest this idea to Teal'c? Perhaps. Perhaps not. We don't know. Don't know. Daniel once again visits O'Neill in his cell. He is sorry for his brief absence, but he promises to be with Jack until the end. Jack begs one last time for Daniel to do something. He'll break if he goes back to the torture chamber. He'll give Ball the one thing that he actually knows. Kanan indeed loved Shallon, and that information will mean that she will receive from Ball even worse than what O'Neill got. And he doesn't want that. Give him another option. And Daniel tells him that Lord Yu is coming. Yu is coming! You. Okay. There is another option. You have a fighting chance. Uh, it's not a good one, but it's there. Be ready. And the attack begins. The power generator is hit. The gravity prison powers down, and O'Neill is free. He takes out some guards with some vicious efficiency, pounding the guy's face left and right, left and right. He finds Shallon, and the two once again race away from the facility toward the Stargate. O'Neill wakes up surrounded by bright lights. Is he in the sarcophagus? No, he is safe and sound in the SGC. He made it. It'll take some time to recover from the effects of the sarcophagus, but he should be okay. Daniel visits one last time. O'Neill's experiences were horrific, and even the colonel wonders what will happen next. But the ascended friend assures Jack that he really will be okay. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. Abyss. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? I'll start with the bad stuff. There was a little bit of hand wavy wavy at the very end. Like, O'Neill is free! Hand wavy wavy. He's back on the base. Hooray! And, um, what else did I think was bad? Um, the situation where Jack O'Neill found himself a prisoner of Baal is... Fine, but kind of not all that interesting in this story. 
And that's all I have to say. That's bad. Because the rest is good. Now, I could have delighted in 42 minutes of Michael Shanks and Richard Dean Anderson playing uh, Daniel Jackson and Jack O'Neill and just acting their characters to the fullest on screen for an entire episode. And I would have been just sitting there just like batting my eyelashes Uh because they did. I'm glad you pulled that quote. I mean, like this was just, just a complete and utter delight to watch just a complete delight to watch these characters engage and discuss and banter and react. Um, It was just, it was just wonderful. It was wonderful to watch. And then that that wonder to watch was getting interrupted every now and again with flying knives and acid and ball and you know and the SG and the SG one team trying to figure it all out and you know it was fine. It was fine. But this episode, in my mind, this episode only trivially had anything to do other than Daniel and Jack. And like, that was it. Like this episode for me was just watching Daniel and Jack be Daniel and Jack. And then there was stuff that happened in the middle to give my brain a break, I guess, because like, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Interestingly to me, I got to the end of the episode Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, there's no other way to say it than to say it. I got to the end of the episode and I found myself like happy crying and, I was really confused by it. <laughs> like, okay. it was an emotion. It was happening. Um, and I'm like, why? There's nothing about this story that was, like, just, like, profoundly relieving. And as I was thinking about it, um, I think what was happening was uh, that I was having an emotional moment as a part of a grieving cycle that I am going through after having gone through the past year. And I saw a beautiful breath of fresh air in the form of one more interaction and conversation and moment to see these characters engage with each other by these two actors that do such a great job with them before saying goodbye again. Um, and, uh, you know, it, 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 it felt like just a breath of normalcy after a loss, um, that was by definition temporary. Uh, and after it was done, I found myself in the same spot again. And that, I think that's probably why I had such a powerful emotional reaction to it because I, along with a whole lot of other people, have just gone through a period where we are starting to feel like some things are returning to normal, but they aren't normal anymore. Hmm. Um, like there is an element of something that is permanently lost, and we are discovering what that is. We're we're we're, we're you know we're we're learning about that. Um, the uh, the most insistent uh, and uh, least helpful and most uh, carnivorous voices amongst our society are insisting that things are going to go back to the way they were, and they're never, they, they, they never will. Um, and that's okay. Uh, we have lost things, and loss hurts, and uh, 
that grief is something that must be worked through and is not linear. So, mm-hmm. you know, we will be moving forward and then taking a step back and then moving forward and then taking a step back. And this moment felt like a moving forward and a taking a step back and then moving forward again. Um, the, the quote unquote step back is the return of Daniel Jackson. And the moving forward is the departure of Daniel Jackson. Um, and man, it was just nice watching those guys play those, play these characters. Yeah. It was, it was just, it was just, it was just great. It was just great. And the story was fine. It was fine. It was fine. But it was just so secondary. Um, like, the, you know, the reason why Jack could have been locked in a cell and being visited by Daniel had, you know, like the story could have been um, Jack O'Neill stole a grilled cheese sandwich and that's why he's in prison. Like, I would have, I would have been <laughs> fine with it. Right. It would have been like, yeah, 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 fine. Whatever. Who cares? Um, uh, just show me more of this stuff. Just show. Just let this episode be about these two characters. Oh, so good. Um so I, oh my gosh, I really liked this episode a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But I'm also recognizing that the reason why I'm liking it so much is because of the actors and the characters and the way that those actors played those characters and how those characters were engaging with each other, which is a testament to the writing. But, you know, like there's, you can't write the flourish of that dialogue and the pacing of that dialogue and the way they glance at each other or react to each other and right yep like yep you can put the you can put the frame up and you can you can put in a lot of information in there but then you hand it over to those two and they take it from there yep and that's what we were seeing and it was oh my gosh so good and there was so good part of the commentary of uh martin wood talking about this is that for a goodly large chunk of that um I mean, he pointed the camera and, and, you know, directed where the camera was going to be and all of that stuff. But when it comes to the interaction between those two, um, that was like 97% uh, Michael and Richard. Yeah. You know, they they were just doing their thing. Yep. And, uh, you know, and that's, you know, as a director, I've, I have been a director before on stage, not in, for anything like this. But mm-hmm. when... When the actors come up there and they produce something that you don't have to fix or change, and it just is, is just right. That's yep. just delightful. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 The, the it was boy. It was just it was just a lot of fun. There was one exchange between Daniel and Jack, which kind of like hit like a thud in the middle of my chest. Um. Uh. Jack in exasperation is telling Daniel like, Hey, with your new superpowers, you should spring me out of this thing. Like do something. And Daniel goes to Jack and you know, or no, what would you do? And Jack is like, you know, I do this. I do that. I, I butcher everything. You know, he, he, he's going on about, you know, he's being Jack. He's, he's, he's right. expressing how he would just, just tear, just tear the thing to pieces. But Daniel says like, you know, like you're a better man than that. Or like, you know, that you won't because you're a good man or something like that. And, uh, O'Neill screams back. That's where you're wrong, and that that one that one kicked me in the chest. Oh yeah, like like that's some real human feeling right there. <laughs> that's that's authentic. There there is there is bountiful bountiful evidence 
that there are people that think you're pretty great and you can hear them even say that and doesn't matter. <laughs> There's a piece inside you that's like, yeah, they're wrong. Right. Um, and that, that was, that was a good moment. Boy, that was a good yeah. moment. So this uh. is an episode that has just wonderful layers to it. Yeah. Um, and as I think about what you just said there and, and I was thinking like, what was it that that uh, pushed Jack to yell? That's where you're wrong. And it was the sarcophagus, right? So the sarcophagus, um, you know, we already we talked about the sarcophagus as something that uh, you know takes your humanity away and makes you angry or whatever. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons that Guawuld are bad. And and we saw it happen with Daniel in that episode. Need we're seeing a little bit here, but. I wonder if what the sarcophagus does is uh, just feeds into whatever negative self-expression uh, uh, we have um, of ourselves or, and of others. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, here, Jack knows that what Daniel says there is true and that Jack actually is better than that. Jack wouldn't just simply tear the arms off of people uh, for, you know, I mean, would he? I mean, he would certainly kill somebody to uh, save his friend, but that wouldn't be his first option. You know, he's not just going to start guns blazing. He's going to go a different direction. Mm-hmm. But the sarcophagus is eating into him, and and he's just highlighting the, uh, the those feelings of despair, those feelings of inadequacy, those feelings of uh, self-hatred. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wonder if that has something to say to us as humanity uh, and, and our levels of self-hatred. Uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm being, uh, you know, reflecting on all of y'all out there, my own issues of inadequacy. Um, and I don't know for sure where I'm going with all of this, sure. but but it just feels that, you know, because you, you hit a nerve inside of me when you said you could have people tell you all the time that you're better than that, and it doesn't matter what they say. Oh, yeah. Um, well, but that's, yeah. And that's the thing. Go ahead. Yeah. So I don't know. I was just, there, there's just something there that, that strikes me as, um, uh, I don't know. I, there, I, I have to now think about that. I haven't had a chance to process that now. Oh yeah, no. There's there's something I'm kind of like working through. <clears throat> it's it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work flawlessly in all all directions and in all cases. But it, it's the it's the it's the sort of the axiom, um, sort of the axiom of just believing someone when they tell you a thing. And I mean it in all ways. Um, like if they if they kind of show you that they're a bit of a jerk, believe them. Um, if, but where, where, where that, where that axiom, where the rubber meets the road on that axiom is that what's happening there is that we inside our own heads want something to be. And so we ignore what is obvious because we want something else to be. Um, so when somebody tells you that you're actually pretty great, try believing them. Um, when, uh, we have a bit of a joke uh, at our own house. I'll, I'll tone down the vulgarity a little bit, but when, but when somebody shows you that they're a bit of a jerk, believe them. Um, and it's not meant to be, uh, it's not meant as an axiom that allows somebody to just 
offhandedly dismiss people, but it's to acknowledge that uh, sometimes we get in our own way for good or for bad. Uh, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Sometimes we get in our own way for bad or for bad. Um, Sometimes we get in our own way believing something is better than it is. Sometimes we get in our own way believing something that is worse than it is. Um, And uh, just acknowledging that it might be a tendency for a person. I mean, I know it's a... I believe that it happens to me regularly enough where this axiom feels like it's an axiom. And to your point, Zach, you know, I'm not sure if I'm projecting myself, but you know, I I'm resonating with this, what you're talking about. And that's why that moment, that's why that line hit me in the chest as hard as it did. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so my experience of most human, so, you know, I, I have met several hundred humans in my lifetime uh, perhaps in the thousands, eventually. Yeah, I was going to say, probably a lot more. <laughs> uh, but suffice to say, it's a very small sample size relative to the 7 billion people on the yes. planet. Yes, uh, Still, um, we tend to uh, see those we don't like in negative lights and those we do like in positive lights. Right. Um, and both can be problem. Yes. Um, and... It's, it's, you know, when, when we see ourselves in that negative light because we don't like ourselves, um, which is something that happens in Daniel Jackson throughout the series. And mm-hmm. to some degree, uh, as we see here, when he has ascended, he is seeing himself in a fuller perspective and he's giving himself a little bit more credit than he perhaps used to. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, um, when we, we pre- present that negative image of ourselves then we turn to self-hatred and issues of dismissing ourselves and such mm-hmm. uh when we are when we think well of ourselves it tends to lead towards arrogance mm-hmm. um we uh when other people it tends to uh villainize demonize and then uh hero worship others mm-hmm. and all of that um uh, is problematic. And uh, I think what I'm hearing you say is an invitation to be honest mm-hmm. and see uh, in ourselves the good things and the bad, um, but then accept that we are human and that's a good thing, mm-hmm. um, even in the midst of the good and the bad things about ourselves. Yeah. And likewise with other people. Yes. See, see them honestly. Um, in their good and their bad, because nobody is a hundred percent bad or a hundred percent. Oh yeah, good. yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, um, yes. And uh, for me, it comes down to: can I value the humanity of somebody, uh, even as I say no, or potentially yes, depending on the situation, but uh, generally no to the behaviors that are being uh, displayed. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing for me. And I think what you see here in Daniel is precisely him doing that with Jack. Uh, mm-hmm. You see Daniel uh, sit with him when Daniel, when Jack is at his worst, when Jack is being vile and is literally losing his humanity. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, it would be easy for Daniel to say, oh, well, Jack has just, he's too far gone. He's lost. Uh and then disappear and go off on his ascended way. 
Uh, but we have Daniel sticking with him and sticking with him and giving him a chance and, and giving him opportunities. And then at the end, even when Jack is lying in that hospital bed, uh, he says, you're going to be okay. Yep. It, you know, you're not, you don't have to be okay right now, right. but you are going to be okay. Uh, which is something that we all need to hear. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, and it's like, and, 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 you know, again, to my sort of like my emotional reaction after watching the episode, this was just a really cathartic piece of TV. Yeah. Um, and I'm taking away from it some, some things that seem to be very, um, uh, it seems like my, uh, positive reaction to this episode is circumstantial. And I think it's fine. Um, we experience, all things within the context of our time that's its definition um but you know it's important to also recognize that you know the very same thing can be experienced differently by different people at different times just because of what's going on right i watched yep. this episode and it really spoke in a very particular way that had an awful lot to do with a person who lives my life at the time that he watched it at the end of may 2021 right like the, the if I had watched this five years ago, I probably wouldn't have had anywhere close to as positive a reaction. I mean, I might have had a positive one, but it probably wouldn't have been nearly as profound. Um, you know, if, when I, if I had watched this when this had come out, I absolutely wouldn't have had uh, as positive a connection to it because I was a very, very young man. Like, there's an awful lot of life that I have lived since then. Um which affects how I view things, obviously, right? Yeah. So there's so and so that I'm coming across or I'm coming away with with these very specific things that have absolutely nothing to do with science fiction, and it's getting you and I on a conversation about humanity and emotion and mental health. Um, that it that that's fitting because that's what we need to be talking about right now, you and I, as a result of watching this show. Yeah, yeah. That was slightly rambly. That's okay. So I've been rambly this whole time. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to uh, kind of bring this more to the story just a little bit. Yes. Um, this is the first time we've really gotten a chance to see Ball. I mean, we saw him. In uh, yeah, another, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But this time yeah. we get it. And I just want to applaud Cliff Simon as Ball and let you know that we will see more of Ball. And one yeah, of the reasons yes. we see, we'll see more of Ball is because in this we see a villain who is villainous and you know doesn't need to be the mustache twirling villain of yeah. Apophis, right? right. Uh, when you see Cliff Simon as Ball smile, it gives you the creeps because yeah. it's just uh, you know it's it's vile. Mm -hmm. um, and you know as he's sitting there and just you know torturing O'Neill with the knives and then. You know, the way he's, like, uh, playing on emotions and such with the, the acid. And, like, see, good things are rewarded. You know, I mean, there's that, that kind of the action. It just, uh, Ball is a different kind of ghoul system lord than what we have seen in the past. Uh, yeah. And, and this is the first time we get a chance to see that. And it plays into yep. that. And, and I just, uh, you know, it's delightful. And then mm -hmm. when you hear that he had to do that without acting to RDA, um, it's, you know, that's impressive. Yeah. So. 
and there is um, a pretty decent amount of there's a good amount of story building information in this episode. It's just I didn't really care about it nearly as much as I wanted to just watch Daniel Jackson and Jack O'Neill interact with each other. Right. Yeah. Um, like Lord Yu is, I mean, I, 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 I was about to say like kind of something of an ally and it's like, no, that's, that's way too strong, but it's, it's the enemy of my enemies, my friend situation. Indeed. Um, the Tokra are, uh, probably going to be pretty frustrated with humanity with, with, with at least the SGC, um, as a result of this release of information, uh, it's very obvious that our heroes don't care. And I think that I agree with them, but I'm just saying like, that's got probably going to have some consequences. Yep. Um, uh, ball has had a heavily guarded secret fortress where they were tinkering around with gravity production. Like that's a thing. Indeed. Yeah. Like, so like the, the technological capabilities of some of these system Lords seem to be much more impressive than what it once was. Um, you know, is that Apophis's hand? Is that, you know, is that, is there, is that a piece of it? Or is it just that, you know, the, that, that things are advancing? Is it that the Gua'uld are finally feeling threatened for the first time in so long that, that they, although side note and to David's sort of meta question from other conversations, like the Gua'uld kind of looked like they had stalled in their evolution or their technological progress for 10,000 years, which is oversimplified and if it's true it's weird well i mean um, especially but it, uh, if- here again like we talked about this briefly in um the episode with uh uh our conversation with with rowan uh for mm-hmm. the other side of the gate which is episode six it will come out eventually to all of our listeners and their patreon you should have it right now uh but advancement development as a society happens when there is a need for it that's my point. And if there if is not is- a need, then there is going to be some sort of stagnation. And we see some of that in the Google. I guess. The, 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 the story on paper is that there was a power struggle for millennia that resulted in a stalemate. That, that seems to me the, the, the most fertile bed uh, for technological advancement. Eh, I suppose but, so. But that's me being meta. That's kind of beside the point. I mean, it's totally on point if we wanted to be really strict about like, wait, how is this thing even possible? Whatever. Let's let that thing go. We see Baal having different technological advancements than others. Um, we see you flying in and being like, kablamo blamo, and that, 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 that puts an advantage on us. But, you know, it's assumed that the SGC gave you the information straight up. Brent, um, I am not a guo. I'm sorry, but I have to be calling it like it is, Zach. Oh, the SGC man. gave you the information, all right? It's the way it is. Okay, fine. These are facts. But you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, like did, did, they, did they do it directly? Um, you know, did Lord Yu get on the phone and be all like, hi, humans, what do you want? <laughs> and, and General Hammond is all like, hey, you, uh, I got some information for you here. How about you go blow up a thing? I like blowing up things. I know you do, big guy. Here's the coordinates. Sweet, thanks. Um, or, or was it through uh, like an intermediary, or was it through some kind of clandestine thing? It's, you know, we don't know. Which is fine. I'm just, I'm just intrigued. That's kind of interesting. Um, 
I can't think of any other big story movers that were just kind of tucked into this episode. Yeah. Those are kind of the big ones. So one Those the, are pretty decent sized ones. That is true. One of the things that I really like about this episode, and this is going to be reflected in my Chevron rating, um, mm-hmm. is that uh, this is a this is an episode that is all about getting Michael Shanks and RDA into a space together where they can act the crap out together and yep. just be awesome together. Yep. yep. And yet even though that is the focus and the purpose of this episode, the stuff that is built around it so that that can happen is remarkable and uh, world-building and deepening of things. Yep. Uh, yep. We get more information about Ball. We get more information about how the system lords interact and how they don't like each other. There's this mm-hmm. uneasy truth truce. You get more information that, hey, maybe they are trying to develop new things to, you know, hammer the other person uh, with it. You know, you get all of this stuff. You get the added tension between the Tok'ra and the the Tauri, uh, which makes a lot of sense. The Tok'ra have been doing things that they've been doing this for thousands of years. The Tauri come in and they want to do things differently. And now the Tok'ra have experienced a really bad uh, event with Ravana way back in Last Stand Summit. Mm-hmm. They're not doing so good. Uh, they're definitely got their tail between their legs and they're running the opposite direction. Um, and so all of this is playing in. So you got all of this stuff happening, and it's designed for the purpose of getting two actors together so that they can be awesome. Yeah. Which is awesome. This was a delight. Indeed. Are we ready for our Chevron ratings? Heck yes, I am. Okay. How many Chevron uh-huh. out of seven uh-huh. are you going to give Abyss? Well, let's see here. I got to watch... Michael Shanks and Richard Dean Anderson play Dr. Daniel Jackson and Colonel Jack O'Neill, respectively, for about, I'd say, almost half of the episode. And I got to watch Richard Dean Anderson play Colonel Jack O'Neill in a very tough spot for another third of the episode, which, Mm -hmm. let me make sure I get my math right, Uh, half and a third. So we got... um, 17% 17% left. Thank you. Uh, and then the last 17% is some pretty okay, no, some really good world building that just kind of went unnoticed by me because I was too busy to just batting my eyelashes. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Carry the one. Something or nothing is nothing. Uh, I think that uh, we got a, yeah, that's right. There it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if I'm going by the calculator here, Zach, uh, it's very clearly yep. a seven out of seven. A seven out of seven. Yes. This was a delight. This was so much fun. And yeah, there might be a little bit of circumstantial happies going on because of other reasons. Like I said, like, like it really hit home and it hit home for good reasons that for me kind of didn't have anything to do with the episode, but it still was right place, right time. Um, I'm sure other people will be just as excited to, to rate this episode highly for other reasons, but I'm, you know, like, it's just good. It was good, 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 good. I would probably delight in rewatching this episode for no other reason. I mean, that's really kind of it. Like, yeah. I bet you I could watch this episode many times over and always like watching it because of how uh, Michael Shanks and Richard Dean Anderson play their characters. Like, it's just so much fun. So much fun. Seven out of seven for me. 
How about you? Awesome. I am going to agree with you and 100% give this a 7 out of 7 chevrons for all those reasons. This is a great episode. It's got good world building. It's got great acting. It's great story. All of that stuff. This episode needs to have 7 chevrons. Absolutely. Good stuff. Okay. So we have predictions. Ooh, I should check the Twitters. Okay, you check the Twitters. Okay, I will check the Twitters. Twitter, 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 Twitter. What do we have? Do we have anything? Let's find out. Okay, we got a couple things, but none of them are predictions. We got us. All right. We got the computer guy saying, sorry, Brent, I have lots to say about this episode, but not enough characters here. See my thoughts on Facebook. We got Jacob Tutu saying, this is a great reminder to write an email. We got our good friend David saying, so proud of you. <laughs> nice. But hey, that's good. Oh, my gosh. All right. Uh, yeah, so nothing on Twitter. Okay. Well, then let's start with the Facebook. Okay. We start with Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Kevin says, hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. I love ball, and I love this episode, and I predict that this episode might generate some good talk about what it means when you have the power to make a difference, and whether or not that means you have a responsibility to enact that difference. Mm -hmm. Because of the quality of the episode, because Jack is back, uh, because I think that's supposed to be Daniel is back, but hey, he says when Jack is back, uh, because of the potential of, maybe Jackson, uh... Because of the potential of good discussion and because of the appearance of Ascended Daniel, I have two predictions. Good discussion before giving ratings, seven from Brent and seven from Zach. Yes. If there is no good discussion, then I predict a six from Brent and a seven from Zach. Either way, I think Zach might have enough love for Ball to go seven either way. Well, technically, Kevin, you you got it right. You got it right, Kevin. Both of us are giving it seven because it's... A good enough episode for that. Oh, yeah. All right. Good stuff. Good job, Kevin. Good job, Woo-hoo. Kevin. All right. We have Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says, this was always a favorite of mine. The effects are great with the sliding room when O'Neill is in the pit. You can tell it's genuinely a sliding room, too. Brent will give it a six for the return of Daniel Jackson. Zach will also give it a six because of the proper introduction of Ball and the knowledge of the future. Mm-hmm. Anyone for a game of bocce? <laughs> yeah, uh, we call this <laughs> bowls in the UK. Call it bowls? Oh, get the bocce. They call bocce. The bocce. Yep. Got it. Uh, yes. So there Very you go. Close. Well done. Very close. All right. We have Susan. Hi, Susan. Susan says, "I give this episode an eight. Oh yeah. We get the return of the late great Cliff Simon playing the deliciously villainous ball, mm-hmm. as in bocce, <laughs> and we get the return of Michael Shanks, as in." Jack's Oma, <laughs> the Ascended Daniel Jackson, who is trying to help Jack while still following the Ascended Being's rulebook. The Abyss is a trifecta of fabulous writing by Brad Wright, inspired acting by Richard Dean Anderson and Michael Shanks, yeah. and visually creative and gravity-defying yeah. set design. We didn't even talk Under- about the sets. I know, but they on. were awesome. Keep carrying on. All right. Brad Wright said in a 2003 interview about the episode, the scenes between Rick and Michael are honestly as good as we've ever had on Stargate. I think I quoted this. You earlier. sure did. You pulled that quote. The two immediately gelled. I agree. Who who would have thought two actors taking talking in an empty closet would make for <laughs> such a great storyteller? Yes. <laughs> 
talking in an empty closet. Absolutely. <laughs> Delightful. All right. She goes on. Yes. Brent will give it a seven out yes. of seven. And Zach will give it an eight. Oh. Anything less from you two, and I will exile you to a cell in Ball's secret outpost to podcast about Bane for the rest of your next hey, life. Now, that to me <laughs> sounds like a great time. That sounds delightful. I could get into the nuances of the the of the of the cocked hats that are being worn by the street toughs in Bane. I could probably talk about for that for two episodes. Well, yeah, but this is for all time. Two episodes going to fill all time. It. But then I'll go back and we'll then then I will revisit what my my previous uh, analysis on the hats were in order to see if my analysis has evolved, thereby ah. creating yet more content. Okay. You, y'all think that I can't? There's a reason I said yes to this podcast thing is because I can talk about anything for any length of time. Okay. <laughs> Oh, that was great. Thank you, Susan. Yep. Okay, we have Warren. Hi, Warren. Warren says, the return of Daniel and Jack will delight Brent with yes. a great bagel breakfast. I had No, a, sorry. Yes, I Will delight yes. Brent like a great bagel breakfast. I did have a great bagel this morning. Yeah, now, except when Daniel goes Oma de Sala on Jack when he asks uh, for his help, it's good to get the Jack Tokra story. Mm-hmm. Ball is evilly dastardly here, unlike, spoiler, when his story gets funny slash stupid later on. Okay. Apparently. Warren okay. says. Yes. He gives this episode an eight mm-hmm. out of eight. And he believes that both of us will also give it that eight. Oh. Chevron. Alas, no. But yeah, no, this is a, this is a good one. This is a delightful episode. You know, I, I considered the eight chevrons. Mm-hmm. And maybe if we were to rewatch it, I might. But right now, I gave it a seven. And seven is good. All right. We have Dan. Hi, Dan. Dan says. Is Dan a first-time writer? I, you know, I think Dan might be a first-time writer. I, 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 I don't, don't think I've heard, heard from Dan before. No. Yeah, okay, well, no. Welcome, well, Dan. Welcome, Dan. All right. This is an episode I have always enjoyed. He says... I liken it in a similar vein to the Next Generation episode, Chain of Command. Mm-hmm. There are four lights! Yep, yep, that's right, yep, yep. We see one of our heroes broken down to their core. I have to assume we don't see everything Jack has to go through in this, but we finally see the true insidious nature of the Gua world as we are more formally introduced to Bachi. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, I mean, I'm told it's, it's Ball. <laughs> yes. Uh, apologies. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, like, obviously, it was the best. It was the best zinger in there. But unfortunately, I got a bad feeling that this bad guy is going to be referred to as Bachi for the rest of our podcast. You know, it's entirely possible. Yes. Through all the episodes we have seen to this point, we have preached to the Tokra. We have preached uh, that the Tokra are different. Mm-hmm. Knowing that Kanan takes over Jack and goes on this mission without his cooperation has always rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I realize it is because of Jack's refusal to leave someone behind, but never. But I never cared for it. He has yeah, the cool. least Tokra, Tokra-iest Tokra that has ever tokra <laughs> I mean, if you're going to Tokra, you got to at least Tokra, right? Because if you don't Tokra, well, you think. can you even call yourself Tokra? Do you even Tokra, bro? Dude, do not talk about my Tokra ink. Oh, okay. Jeez. A little, <laughs> a little sensitive about the Tokra. I didn't quite realize. Okay. All right. 
So, uh, <laughs> Dan continues. Yes. Plus, who knew that ghosts actually existed? I mean, Jack threw his shoe right through it. Right through him. How crazy was that? Oh, that was that was Daniel? Uh, surprise! Never forget the wisdom we learned. <laughs> Though a candle burns in my house, there's nobody home. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I did like that. I also did like the, you know, the dismissive line that Daniel had about, no, if it was almost, she'd say something like, you know, if you realize the candle's lit, then the food is already made. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and the dinner is already prepared. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Carry on. Carry on. All right. He says, this episode has to be a seven. Yes. There's too many storylines to go through in your standard review, but I love every aspect of it. I think both of the guys will agree. Yep. Zach, because of the implications and Brent, because of Daniel. Yep. You got it right, Dan. On another note, you got it right, Dan. Well done for your first First time. First time. Dang. Wow. Wow. That's beginner's luck right there. There you go. All right. On another note. On behalf of the fans of Stargate, I'd like to congratulate Amazon on their purchase of MGM and formally welcome our new Amazonian overlords. <laughs> Maybe we'll get new Star Trek Stargate next year, perhaps SG2. We'll work on that title a little bit yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it'll work out just fine. Totally fine. If you are able, friends, to pick up my eye rolls through the microphone, then I'm doing a good job. So, I, you know, speaking of Amazon, if if Amazon does well and allows MGM and Stargate to do what they do, then I think this will be wonderful because I think that Amazon has the uh, money and vision to allow things to grow and develop and be something awesome. If Jeff Bezos and Amazon decides to try to tinker with things and get their fingers all up in the middle of things, then it could go very, very badly. Eero. That's my prediction. Whole Foods. Those are just the two things. You know, the two things that just came to mind of things they bought that got worse. But anyway, I'm sure it'll be great. I'm sure it'll be fine. Hey, you All can't right. make something that already exists worse. Sure. They can't go back, theoretically. Although, talk to George Lucas about that. Anyway, okay. Was that, right. uh, that 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 that's what uh, first time writer Dan had to say? That's what Dan has to say. Okay. But we have more predictions, okay. Brent. Let's carry on. The next is Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. Kimberly uh, predicts that both of us are going to give this that elusive eight. Oh, eight. man. Sorry to disappoint. Uh, she says, I'm doing it. Eight Chevron locked in for both. <laughs> Brent better not have burnt his bagel this morning. No, it was a good bagel. <laughs> this is one of the best episodes in Stargate ever, purely for the acting. We see Daniel again, and the reunion is heartbreaking, especially when Jack asks Daniel to kill him. Also, yeah. the camera yeah. work is excellent, which Brent should appreciate. Also, ascension, rules, more knowledge, stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I, you know what? I wasn't I mean, Kimberly, good point. Like, the, the, the camera work. I did have a feeling, though, that they were shooting um, the torture scenes with Richard Dean Anderson with him hanging upside down. Well, he was laying on his back. His head looked like it was about to pop. Well, that's because he was laying on his back and gravity was just, you know, driving it down. But yeah, mm. it might have been at a slight angle yeah. or something. Who knows? Anyway. But 
Uh, but yeah, no, the, 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 the technical proficiencies of this particular episode, other than just like watching the set design thing, like I could, I, I could tell that they had that one cell on a rotating thing and that was awesome. Um, uh, but I was just, I was just sitting here, just like I said, just batting my eyelashes, just being like, give me more of that dreamy, dreamy Jackson O'Neill conversation. Hmm. Yep. All right. We have more. So like, this is a good episode and people think it's a good episode yes. as you see. So we have more predictions. Okay. We have at least, we have like four more predictions on Facebook and we've got a couple emails. Oh dear. Okay. So we got to keep moving. All right. Let's carry on. All right. Tim. Hi, Tim. Tim says, this is a top episode for me. I mean, Daniel is back. If only briefly, we put O'Neill through the ringer and get some good one-liners. Mm-hmm. As in, Bocce, our first real introduction to Ball. As much as I tend to be reticent with exceptionally high rankings, this has got to be a seven from me. Uh-huh. I will not be surprised by anything between six and eight from both Zach and Brent. Yep. But... Since this is a cop-out, I will say seven from Zach and six from Brent. Oh. I mean, come on, it's no Bane. I mean, it, that's a good point, but there are different qualities of seven. This is just a good sure. seven, not a Bane oh, seven. okay. Not a Bane seven. Mm-hmm. See, nobody quite understands exactly what a Bane seven Neither do is, I. except for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, even and X-Files would, didn't and, get Bane seven. And if you... Don't know what a Bane 7 is. I call shenanigans for using it. Uh, In any case. No, 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 Zach. No, no, no. It's a mystery. Ah. Mm-hmm. We have Sondas. Hi, Sondas. Sondas says, hi, guys. The episode all fans agreed on, the episode all fans agreed on as amazing and beyond. Can't wait for the discussion. Mm-hmm. Seeing Daniel again, his interaction with Jack, everything was gold. Was Seven great. for both. Yes. Another, you got it right, boy. We got, I mean, it's not shocking that we're going to have so many people get it right. But on the other hand, it's like, this is like a festival. This is a this festival cool. of sevens. Festival, festival. Okay, <laughs> Stewart. Stewart says Hi, Stuart. Daniel is back, and we get a little philosoph- philosophizing between him and Jack. Add to that some great sci-fi tech playing with gravity fields, and it looks good on the screen too. Yeah. Then we've got Ball being a top-rate Gould, top-notch episode yes. seven from Brent. Yes. And Zach a seven point five. Oh, uh, cranking it up the half measure too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if I've I haven't given anything a seven and a half. That's an interesting uh, interpretation. You know, I hate I hate yeah. uh, fractional rating, so I doubt I'll ever do that. But it's a good idea. Where it's not quite an eight, but it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who knows? But yeah. very close, Stuart. Uh, thank you for your prediction. Yeah, thank you. And we have JD. Hey, JD. JD says, amazing, amazing, amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ball, Jack, and Daniel are all great. The idea that the host can, in fact, influence the symbiote is great. Uh-huh. All good stuff. Seven from me, eight from Zach, and six from Brent. Very close. If you average that out, you would be perfect. Yes, that's right. That's right. But very good. Super good episode. Very good. Very good. Okay. And now we have some email. Yes. Our first email comes from Jacob. Hi, Jacob. I stare into the abyss and it stares back to me. Mm-hmm. Hello. Brent gives it a six. Okay. And Zach a seven. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yep. Yep. Very close. Very good. Very close. Thank you very much, Jacob. And finally. 
we have David. Hi, David. Oh, no, I'm falling down a Chevron bias buffer abyss. <laughs> and and what you don't see are uh, various ASCII characters uh, creating a little person falling down, upside down, oh, and, you know, arms awesome. up. And, and it's, it's, it's really, really awesome. Thanks, David. <laughs> nice. Uh, okay. I love this episode, he says, mm-hmm. and think it is a wonderful counterpoint to Meridian. Yeah. I won't go into details because this was no doubt a very long show for you to record and you are ready to wrap things up for the day. <laughs> Suffice it to say, the compare contrast of Jack and Daniel in regards to Ascension provides a lot of insight to both characters. Mm-hmm. Very true. Mm-hmm. What holds this episode back from perfection is bringing back Daniel in any form this early. Six episodes into the season. And the story arc for this started two episodes before yeah. in Frozen. Yeah. I can see that. It, oh, this, uh, yeah. This looked intentional. Like, this was not a moment of like, oh, boy. Oh, ouch. Uh, maybe we should bring him back. Uh, this looked like it was kind of thought out. Indeed. He continues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this should have been saved for a mid-season ender. Sure. What pushes the episode back sure. to perfection is Ball. This is how you introduce a villain after the season five tease. Mm-hmm. Ball is just deliciously evil in this episode. Mm-hmm. Is evil even the right word for Ball after this? He's not the, I would have succeeded if it weren't for those meddling SG-1 kids, <laughs> evil of Apophis. Right. And he's not the over-the-top, prepare to meet your doom, melodramatic evil of Anubis. Yeah. This is True. a bad guy yeah. Yeah. who knows he's bad and is enjoying it. Anymore, and I'll be saying too much, and I said I wasn't going to go into details. Yeah, yeah, okay. Too late, I know. (laughs) He says, I love to hate Ball. He's my favorite Gua Wold. Predictions. No reasons, no jokes. Eight chevrons from both Zack and Brent. Nice. Very close. There you go. Very, very good. And those are our predictions. Man, thanks, everybody. Oh, so much fun. Thank you very much. So much fun. And this was a great episode. Indeed. Okay, Brent. Uh, yeah. It is time to turn our attention to next week's episode. Uh Uh-huh. The episode in question is entitled Shadow Play. And I ask you, what is Shadow Play all about? Uh, Shadow Play. I don't think anybody would get that joke, so I'm not going to do that one. Um, next time on Stargate SG-1. The SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves in a strange world. This world seems to have a peculiar effect on all the inhabitants who are on the planet and anyone who visits the planet at all. It appears that in all cases, everyone seems to be congenial to each other, no matter what. The SG-1 team feel immediately the effects of this planet, and they are chatty and sociable and, and just generally affable. They walk around the corner and they find themselves face to face with Jaffa, with behind them, the system lord Bachi. And next to Bachi, <laughs> the system lord Melodramatic. We still can't see Melodramatic Anubis's face. And what becomes a tense moment suddenly bursts into joy. <gasps> what? Indeed, the, the effect of this planet is that everyone becomes friends when they're there. And so much so that they decide to go put on a production 
Why not, after all? They've got a bounty of stories between all of them, but they don't really seem to have the, ma the materials necessary to put on quite a convincing performance with all of the amazing technological things that have happened in the several years that they have engaged with each other. So they decide, indeed, to cut out little figures of uh, out of paper and put sticks on them and hold it up to a sheet with a bright light behind them, and they put on a shadow play. Join us next time on Stargate SG-1, where we all have a good time with Shadowplay. So, uh, so Zach. Yes, Brent? Are we going to have ourselves a little dance with some Gould? Uh, you know, I think that the fact that that is in your mind is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and, um, and I wonder if perhaps... That shouldn't just have stayed in your mind. <laughs> just, just, just have a little, uh, just have a little dream sequence where everyone's friends and nobody's enemies. Ah, uh, sure. Shall we watch the promo that David made to find out what precisely Shadowplay is all about? Yes, let's actually do this for real. Okay, I'm hitting play now. Next time on Stargate SG One. This is Commander Hayward, Chairman of the Colonial Defense Council, calling Stargate Command. Please respond. Okay. Well, according to their commander, the Colonial government wants to re-establish trade relations with Earth. I hope you diplomatically told him where to shove it. Jonas Quinn is caught oh, hey. between two loyalties. Good to see you, Professor. For several years, an uneasy peace has resulted from the rivalry between the three major powers on our planet. But is Jonas only being used as a pawn in a dangerous game? They think that eventually you're going to give them what they want. I couldn't say anything before because the other two are not part of the organization. The organization? The, the resistance. No, the Cylon. People had such high hopes. The resistance. Not the only one who was disappointed. It's all next time on Stargate SG-1. All right, okay. Ooh, Jonas fires a gun. That's... Yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit of a Jonah story here. That's good, indeed. Uh, and uh, perhaps you didn't recognize it. They're going back to Kelowna, so they're going back to his home planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't catch it. I I heard it, but it didn't click until they were really getting into it. I'm like, oh, that's the place that he was from. Yes, yes, indeed, indeed. Yep. Cool. All right. So that was Shadow Play, and we will talk about that next time. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty excited so about that. I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well. With that, uh, oh, do you want to say special thanks to David for yes, that thank promo? You, David. Yes, because that's really important, and we appreciate all of these promos. They're awesome. I love them. Um, so, tell us what you think if you haven't already about this episode, or if you have and you have more to say, please share it. You can do that on Facebook. You can do that via email. You can do that on Twitter. Although yep. you might take several posts to get it all done on Twitter because you have a limited number of characters. Or something. Now? Didn't they double uh, it? Whatever. Uh, I don't care. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever it is. I seem to run into the character count regardless. Doesn't matter. Yep. In any case, tell us what you think because we want to hear from you. That's awesome. Yes. So, with all that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.